Welcome, my friends, to the Generations Radio Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you, Steve Vaughn as well. And today I want to cover what I would consider to be the most important, the most significant news story of the decade. Wow. And I don't think that's an exaggeration, Steve. Yeah. The most significant news story of the decade is going to be Christian martyrdoms. Uh, no question in my mind about that at this point. Um, and that's, of course, why the worldview in five minutes. That's why we cover it on a daily basis. That's why it's the number one most important news story at the top of the page each and every day as a Christian worldview-based newscast. If Jesus were here, he'd be most concerned about the persecutions of his people. Yeah. This, why, why do you persecute me? That's the question he's asking. And he would ask the question of the President of the United States. Now, why do I say that? I, I, I'm a little bit indignant about what is going on with the U.S. president, believe it or not. Just a little? <laughs> I, I am. And, yeah. and this has got me a, a little bit upset, maybe a lot upset. This week, the U.S. president, Joe Biden, issued a proclamation on Religious Freedom Day, took the opportunity to announce his appointment of a Muslim as ambassador at large for international religious freedom. <laughs> No, he mentions the Rohingya, the Ahmadiyya Muslims in his proclamation. And I'm going, okay, so these guys are getting persecuted. You know, he's concerned about the persecution of all religions. He mentions the Muslims. Well, I go online and search as I may. I can't find very much. I found one instance in which the Ahmadiyya Muslims of Burkina Faso, nine Muslims, were killed in the last year, as far as I could tell, at the hands of other Muslims. Okay, Muslims killing Muslims. There's nine of them. There might be more than that, but I couldn't find any more than that. The Rohingya haven't found any other stories since roughly 2015. Meanwhile, confirmed Christian martyrdoms are coming out of 5,898 in the last annual count, according to Open Doors 2022. 99% of martyrdoms on the list, okay, 99% of martyrdoms of the 6,000 Christians that are killed by Muslims it's happening by Muslims, 99% at the hands of radical Muslims, to include 4,650 Christians in Nigeria, 620 in Pakistan, 100 in Burkina Faso, where the Muslims, nine Muslims also, but 100 Christians, 100 Christians in Burkina Faso, 100 in Congo, 100 in Mozambique, 27 in Cameroon, 25 in Tanzania, and 15 in Indonesia. That's about 99. It could be 99.99% because I couldn't find the rest of the data. But now, okay, the Muslim appointed as ambassador at large for international religious freedoms, Rashad Hussein. So this is this is this is the guy who will defend religious freedoms for the six thousand Christians a year now in probably the worst persecutions, the worst martyrdoms we have experienced worldwide since the first persecutions of the first four centuries that were kicked off under Nero. So since then, now the devil, the dragon, is back and uh, supported, of course, by his minions. Some 6,000 Christians martyred in the year 2021. That's the last data we have. And, uh, and did I mention the President of the United States appointed a Muslim as the man in charge of uh, getting some handle on this thing? Yeah. Have I... you ever heard of the fox in the hen house? <laughs> have you ever heard of that reference, Steve? The fox yeah. in the hen house. Yeah, you, have it... you, you ever put a fox in a hen house? You ever done that? Um, no, take because, a fox, uh, put it in your neighbor's hen house and just see what happens. Yeah. That's, uh, it, it's not going to be good. You're, you're probably not going to be 
picking up too many eggs or having too many roast chickens later on because uh, they will all be gone. And and it's interesting that foxes, I think it's foxes, either foxes or, or raccoons, they'll just go in and they'll take off the head and then just go and they just go on killing sprees just for the sake of killing. It's just kind of the uh, the sport of killing. They don't necessarily eat the chickens up right away. This is representative of the president's worldview, of course, and his perception of Christian persecutions in the 6,000 martyrs that are happening around the world in any given year at this point. Now, you know the argument that's going to come back is, yeah, 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 but it's only the radical Muslims that do this sort of thing. <laughs> so, you know, we pick the right kind of Muslim to oversee the martyrdoms of Christians around the world. I See, okay. Now, I realize that some come back and say, yeah, there are some radical Christians out there. And there are. There are radical Amish folks. When was the last time you saw a story about a radical Amish person? You know, somebody who's fairly fundamentalistic about his Christian beliefs and, and fairly committed to those Christian beliefs, for better or worse. When was the last time you saw a news story of a radical Amish that uh, you know, walked into a drugstore and wiped out Six or eight Muslims. Um, maybe never. <laughs> as in yeah, never? never. Or radical evangelicals like Franklin Graham, you know, typically referred to as a fundamentalist, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so Franklin Graham or radical reform Baptists, you know, I mean, these guys are serious about their embracing of scriptural doctrine. You know, these are probably the most fundamentalist. Huge concern for persecuted Muslims? Uh, no. <laughs> Um, as in no, as in no, no, as in never. All right. You get my point. Yeah. There's a fox in the hen house, Steve. Yeah. I, but, but we, we've come to expect this kind of thing from uh, Joe Biden, who can't even pronounce the name of his Supreme Court Justice, Katanji Brown Jackson. This guy who claims to be a radical Catholic is anything but that at all he uh, he hates christians and remember what jesus said if they hate you remember they hated me first the message is clear christians are the most despised people by the world by the devil by the president of the united states and they will be persecuted jesus said they that the world didn't like me not gonna like you they persecuted me they'll persecute you and this is what's happening christians are the most despised by the government of the United States. It's, okay, make no mistake about it. Our government is encouraging the persecution of Christians. They're not discouraging it. They're encouraging it. That's what's going on in Nigeria and other places around the world. I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about the nightmare going on in Nigeria today. Probably the worst situation for persecution today in the world. Nigeria. And the President of the United States just invited the President of Nigeria and called him a champion for democracy. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains, to provide quality time for you to connect with your son Can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, 
to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. Back on the Generations broadcast, Kevin Swanson with you, Steve Vaughn as well. Dealing with injustices, it is appropriate for Christians to be concerned with the injustices that are wrought upon other Christians, certain innocents around the world. Yes, I believe it is. And we'll deal with that biblically in just a moment. But it's interesting, not just us, but the Reuters news agency got concerned with Nigeria. Finally, somebody's concerned with Nigeria. Nigeria being one of the worst possible sites on earth where genocide and martyrdoms against Christians has been let loose by the dragon himself. Reuters investigation found that the Nigerian military is adding insult to injury for women kidnapped and abused by radical Islamist insurgents. The military somehow recover the women and force them to submit to abortions. Wow. Reuters concluded that since 2013, the Nigerian army has run a secret systematic an illegal abortion program in the country's northeast, terminating at least, get this, 10,000 pregnancies among women and girls, many of whom have been kidnapped and raped by Islamist militants, according to dozens of witness accounts and documentation. And so, you know, upon this study that came out, this investigation that came out was broadcast, I would say, somewhere between September and October of 2022, the President of the United States welcomed the Nigerian President, Mohammed Buhari, to the White House calling him a model of democracy. This is the monster who's allowed for the greatest massacre of Christians in the world and allows his military to force rape victims into abortions. Nigeria accounts for 89% of the world's martyrs. Whoa. (laughs) Okay? And not even discussed, not even brought up by the President of the United States. Unconcerned about it. And this goes all the way back to 2013. It, It really backs up to 2013, about the 1500 and 2013, uh, somewhere around 2000 martyrdoms, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, and then uh, up to 3700, 2019, up to 4650 in 2021. So that you see a, a steady increase. And since Buhari has become president, who, by the way, is a Muslim, you're looking at least 18,000 Christian martyrs since Buhari's become the president of uh, Nigeria. Some 18,000 martyrs. And, uh, Almost doing nothing about it except, I guess, forcing abortions on some of the women. 10,000 women. Boko Haram's attacks on Christians began in 2012. That was only accelerated under Buhari. Okay? Only accelerated under Buhari when he became president of Nigeria. This is the bloodiest nation in the world for attacks on Christians and genocide right now. Muslims are leading the three largest genocides in the world right now. Darfur, out in Sudan, terrible stuff. Congo, big, big mm-hmm, yeah. genocide going on in the Congo right now, and Nigeria. And so why not appoint a Muslim to lead the religious freedom campaign from Washington? Yeah, the uh, president of Nigeria, he's probably not a radical Muslim, is he? I mean, he's, he's more of a middle-of-the-road kind of guy, just you know, live and let live or die and let die, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's more of a die, live and let yeah. die <laughs> would be the policy of the Nigerian government at this point. A secular progressive news source, Reuters, Concerned about forced abortions in Nigeria. 
Now, should anybody call out for justice, or should we just be doormats and allow for the wicked to persecute the righteous? I, that's the question I want to address. By the way, contrast Biden to Trump. Former U.S. President Donald Trump asked Nigeria's leader about the killing of Christians in the West African nation during a visit to the White House in 2018. Okay, so this is what Trump said. Uh, why are you killing Christians in Nigeria? <laughs> Praise God for somebody who actually, you know, breaks out and asks the question. Yeah. Yeah, so should you, should you be asking that? Yeah. President Mohamed Buhari, according to a statement emailed by Nigeria's president, it's related to a meeting with a current U.S. ambassador at large for international religious freedom, Rashad Hussein. So Trump asked Buhari the question. We don't, we're not hearing that from Biden, but we hear it from President Trump. And praise God, I'm thankful somebody spoke the truth in 2018. But not so today. It's probably one of the most egregious violations of justice and human rights on planet Earth today. And it appears the President of the United States is heading it up. So, friends, I want to encourage Christians to pray the prayer, How long, O Lord? How long? until you avenge the blood of the saints on the earth. I, I think that's appropriate for us to do. You go back to Luke chapter 18, and you find this uh, parable of the importunate widow. She comes to the judge, and the judge doesn't fear God, doesn't regard man, but the widow sits coming back and says, get justice for me from my adversary. And finally, he does. He gets justice for the widow. And, and then the Lord says, hear what the unjust judge says. And shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Faith to pray, faith to engage, faith to stand in the gap, faith to press for justice. I, I'm, I'm afraid there's not much of this going on in the Christian church today. Now, we pray for the persecuted church, but are we praying for vengeance, God's vengeance upon them, not our own? There's a distinction between our vengeance and God's vengeance. But do we have a commitment to justice? Do we have a commitment to vengeance? God's vengeance. It's appropriate. It's appropriate. Revelation 5 and verse 8. Remember, the four living creatures, 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb and uh, brought the bowls full of incense, the prayers of the saints, which include these prayers. And they say, you are worthy to the Lamb. You're worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain. You've redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and nation. And he says, you are worthy to open the scrolls. Now, if there's ever a song that misses the message, it would be Andrew Peterson's song on this. It doesn't actually get to the next chapter in which, well, the Lamb opens the seals and unleashes God's righteous judgment upon the nations. And, and that's, what, that's what we're talking about here. This is the saints of God crying out in verse 10 of chapter 6, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So, so why this prayer? A couple of reasons. One, this is the bride of Christ. Have we properly considered the love that Christ has for his bride? Do, do we love the bride? Are we concerned with the fact that there's this evil brute that's beating on the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, Jesus loves his bride, but do you love his bride? Jesus doesn't like to see his bride beaten and beaten and beaten by these brutes. When his people were persecuted in Damascus or Jerusalem, the Lord Jesus struck Saul with blindness, called out to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and then I think we need a, a commitment to justice. We should be concerned about injustice and evil that goes on in the world. That's the concern of the widow in the parable. 
And that's where we should be concerned. We don't just passively watch our Christian children getting beaten, our brothers and sisters tortured and say, oh, well, it just happens, you know, just forgive them. Don't worry about it. No, I mean, you can say, God, please forgive them. God, please bring them repentance. But you need to cry out for justice. Evil needs to stop. The evil of deception, slander, torture, threats, cursings, death threats, killings of Christians, that needs to stop. Evil is not sovereign. God is sovereign. Evil should never get the upper hand. Sin doesn't win. Unrighteousness should not beat the judge of the earth, the almighty, holy, infinitely just God over heaven and earth. I think Christians should be passionate to see sin crushed, injustices utterly overcome, violations of God's law brought to account. I think these things should never continue with impunity. And you're not a Christian if you're okay with evil continuing. Now, let me ask you this question, Steve. As a Christian, should you stand for justice or mercy? <laughs> yeah. Do, do we stand for righteousness as defined by God's law or God's grace? Which? Well, it's interesting that that's actually one of the questions in apologetics or something pretty close to that in speech and debate, that how can God be both merciful and just? And uh, it's, it's a both and. It's a that's right. E, that's all right. of the above. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We stand for both with equal force. We don't set one against the other. And I'm not talking about justice in the sense of woke justice, social justice, (laughs) as defined by the demonic-influenced Marxist agenda that the anti-Christian evangelicals have embraced. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real biblical standards of justice as measured by the law of God, as defined by the law of God. Do Christians stand for justice or mercy? Do Christians stand for justice or mercy? Which, and as Steve said, it's both. Absolutely. We don't set one against another. And our Lord went to the cross for mercy and justice, both to mercifully satisfy the demands of justice and wrath for those who trust in him. It's the Pharisees and hypocrites that take a superficial stand on the Christian faith. Jesus said, hey, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're dealing with you know, paying tithe, mint, anise, and cumin, but you omit the weightier matters of God's law, judgment, mercy, and faith. See, all of this. These you ought to have done, not to have leave the other undone, which means Jesus wants us committed to justice, absolutely committed to mercy, both at the same time. We should be concerned for the Democrats and the modern democracy slaughter of three billion children by use of abortion, infanticide, abortifacients. Almost every Democrat in Congress stood up for infanticide in the vote taken on the Born Alive bill last week. That's concerning. <laughs> That's concerning. We should stand for truth. We should, we should warn these men and women they will stand before the judgment seat of God on these sorts of matters. There should be some amount of a commitment to justice that should make your blood boil. Or, or you've just got ice-cold blood running through your system. That's, that's it, my friends. And take a stand against Christian persecutions. The 99.9% of martyrdoms in the world are Christians. Not, not Hindus, not Muslims, not humanists, but Christians. These are the people dying for their faith around the world, and we should take a stand for them. And, and where folks are crying out for the mercy of God, ha- having engaged in these terrible sins of abortion and forced abortion and genocide and such, okay, great, amen. We should point them to Christ who died on the cross because of that blood guiltiness. So we, we need to be committed to the gospel and the mercy of Christ as much as we're committed to the law of God and the judgment of God. And both converge at the cross of Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is the gospel. That, yes, we've broken God's law extremely egregiously. And yet, it is the mercy of God that comes to bear. 
that Christ died on the cross, took the wrath of God, the justice of God upon himself for us in order that we would be his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to obey God's law, to walk according to the standards of righteousness laid down in the laws of God, and that we would love God and now keep his commandments and to love his children as well and to forgive one another in the body of the church. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, my friends. I would encourage you to my book, Freedom, The Story of Freedom, which deals with these issues. What are the things that Christians need to be most concerned about when it comes to matters of political justice? And I deal with these specific issues. I define what liberty is. I define what God's law is and how to define justice when it comes to the civil magistrate in that book, The Story of Freedom, available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.